Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host Tom Quee. Thank you so much for joining me, especially today, because quick, quick intro, I promise, just before we get into Ray Burton. I spoke to Ray, father of Cliff, about, you know, so much stuff. I, I, incredible interview what a beautiful man this guy is what you know an incredible uh, human being to share an hour or so of conversation with us i was genuinely honored you know it was uh really really humbled and i just yeah can't wait for you guys to get into this just before we do however um this is alpha metallica in case it's your first time listening we are mostly an a to z exploration podcast we are taking one of the greatest bands in the world in my opinion metallica putting their oeuvre in alphabetical order and going episode by episode, week by week. We're very early in our journey on that. Please subscribe. Check us out there on iTunes as well, all podcast formats. Um, we're currently at Letter B. Shout out to my guy Dave. Uh, we're on Bad Seed at the moment. We've got Battery coming up, Blackened, Better Than You. You know, we're, we're doing that kind of chronological trawl. But alongside that, I'm also doing interviews with people who are in some way, you know, renowned for their fandom of Metallica, maybe journalists, writers, you know, that, those sort of people. So recently I had Paul Brannigan on. Um, he's the co-author of Birth School Metallica Death, an incredible uh, two-volume history of Metallica. That was a fantastic interview. He was also editor of Kerrang! for many, many years. Um, also spoke to uh, James Rolfe, uh, also known as the Angry Video Game Nerd. Shout out to James, two million plus YouTube icon, forefather of cultural criticism, SNES, angry man. Um, he's fantastic, and it was great to have him on as well. But when I did those interviews, i got to say, I got a little bolshy, I got a little cocky. I thought, you know, I could get people who are, you know, really involved with Metallica or to a certain extent, or, you know, really know sort of stuff. And I reached out to quite a few people, got quite a few responses back. So we got some great interviews coming up as well. But, you know, today is all about Ray. And just a quick bit of history just before we get into the interview then. Um, I messaged um, Ray uh, on Facebook and he, he got back to me quite shortly and he was very, very kind and very, very open. And he just basically said, uh, you know, for me to send an email to this address to sort of, you know, coordinate the actual uh, logistics of the thing. But yeah, pretty instantly he replied. So that was, you know, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it was very, very dumbfounded there. And I sent an email across uh, to the email he gave me and it was his stepdaughter, Casey, there. who I want to give a huge, huge thank you. She has been so brilliant in this whole process. She was the one who was kind of arranged it to do over Skype and all that sort of stuff. The times we're going to work for and just kind of been there any questions that i've had and really really you know you know invaluable so i want to say thanks again to casey and we soon enough arranged a time um we arranged it for basically it was uh, midday his time 8 p.m my time it was on californian time there um and we recorded it on a wednesday night unfortunately it was just for half an hour or so because uh the whole inter- the whole internet kind of locally blacked out for them for some reason it was kind of some power outages or something like that so unfortunately it got truncated there but we did reconvene a few days later on the monday I'm only sort of letting you know this just for, I don't know, <laughs> uh, archival sake there. But yeah, I edited both of these together. So it's about, I think it's about 30 minutes into the interview we sort of we sort of go across. But, you know, you wouldn't really know. Uh, we reconvened on the Monday. So altogether, yeah, it's about an hour or so. Uh, we dig into tons and tons of stuff. Tons of stuff about Ray and his personal histories as well with Jan, of course. And then, you know, Cliff features heavily. Um, we speak a lot about the band. You know, don't really want to give anything away. It's kind of what you would expect. And it, uh, more so, I would say, I really like, lived up to what I wanted. But content-wise, you know, and yet again, I just want to say, say thank you so so much to ray and casey this was a rare joy um for a minor podcast like mine just just for me in general as a person to speak to ray so happy that we've captured it here and you guys can enjoy it as well so yep just before i go this is Alpha Metallica. Follow us on Twitter, Metallica Pod. Um, get in touch with us as well, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of the, the episode. If you want to come on the show, the A to Z thing that I do, I always have guests of just, you know, fans on. So check those out as well. I had loads and loads of great guys in there. But yeah, um, shout out to Ray and Casey. You know, just, yeah, yet again, this was fantastic. And um, I hope you guys enjoy. Very, you know, excited, honoured to welcome Ray Burton. Ray, how's it going? 
Oh, okay. Nice, beautiful day here in old Southern California. Yeah, yeah. That uh, great, great to hear from you. You know, truly uh, an honor to have you on. And I mean, we just had Fourth of July. How was that for you? Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it's always fun because uh, uh, where we live, we can look out over the Los Angeles Basin, mm. and the uh, people down there, uh, backyards or maybe. Uh, uh, businesses in in uh, small uh, shopping malls, uh, they start having uh, fireworks around uh, eight or eight thirty at night uh, on the fourth, and it it sounds like a war zone down there, and you can see all kinds of uh, small uh, fireworks, mm. and then the big ones uh, they have along the coast uh, up in uh, uh, Manhattan Beach and. Uh, Redondo Beach, and uh, and so we can see it, but it's really uh, looking out over the uh, Los Angeles Basin. It's uh, it's amazing the uh, amount of higher fireworks they have, and it goes on till twelve o'clock at night. It's amazing. And you know, so I want to talk about a lot of things. You know, okay. um, you know, there's a lot, obviously, a lot to get into stuff. But I wanna, I wanna start, I wanna start with yourself, Ray. I just read this, just like one line in a book about Metallica. And I just I didn't know what you had to add. You were a highway engineer from Tennessee originally. Yes, I was born in Murfreesboro, right near uh, about 32 miles south uh, east of Nashville. Mm. And, you know, obviously you come to Castro Valley, um, the family. Like, how, how, did, what, how did the move begin? Well, uh, I was raised in San Bernardino. Mm. Uh, I lived there for 28 years. My twin brother and I... Uh, we were born in, as I say, uh, Murfreesboro, and at 13 months we uh, uh, came to California and settled in San Bernardino, and uh, and I lived there for uh, for 28 years, and then I transferred to San Francisco, and uh, and then I uh, met uh, Cliff's mother uh, in a what I call a boarding house in San Francisco, and uh, so we were married in. Uh, September of uh, 1955, mm. and uh, so uh, about a year or so later, we moved uh, to uh, Castro Valley, or I should say Hayward, which is right next door to Castro Valley in the East Bay of uh, San Francisco, and uh, so I started. we started raising a family in uh, Hayward, and then uh, I can't remember exactly what year it was, I think... Uh, Around 1960, maybe 61, uh, we moved to Castro Valley, and Cliff was born in 1962 in Castro Valley. Mm, mm. And I lived there for another, uh, oh, 30 some odd years. And then I retired and uh, moved up to uh, Grass Valley in the uh, uh, Sierra Nevada foothills. Lived there for until, my, uh, until Jan died, that's uh, Cliff's mother. Yeah. And that was in 1993, and uh, then I uh, went to my uh, high school class reunion in 1993, uh, and uh, I had met my uh, high school sweetheart uh, about, uh, oh, I think it was in July or August of 1993, and then uh, I took her as a date to the... uh, high school reunion and we were married a year later right oh that, that's more fun yeah 
that's fantastic yeah and you you, you mentioned cliff there and i, I just sort of want to say obviously we're doing the metallica podcast i'm in contact with a lot of fans from all over the world from all different time periods and as fractures a display as it is there's a unity really for cliff you know obviously i am a huge fan as as so many people is you know that there must be something great to take from that that you know it's still so powerful you know people have such love for this guy's talent well, that's one of the amazing things, Tom, is that uh, after all of these years that uh, he is uh, uh, so remembered and mm. so loved and uh, admired and uh, and kids. Uh, uh, when I'm at a uh, Metallica venue of some t- uh, concert of some type, it, uh, they come up to me and uh, thank me profusely uh, about having uh, Cliff as a son and... Uh, and how he uh, uh, was an inspiration uh, to them to uh, pick up the uh, the bass and uh, accept and enjoy music, but he was such a uh, uh, inspiration to them. And I, I just uh, it, it just amazes me. Of course, it makes me feel very very good that mm. uh, he was that uh, that talented uh, to have uh, the following that he has. And, you know, Cliff, fascinated to read about the sort of, you know, his early experiences. And apparently he had a very high reading comprehension for, for his young age. Yeah, he, he was. Oh, Cliff, uh, uh, right off the, you know, as a very young kid, we, we knew that there, there was something exceptional about him. And uh, but he was through his schooling. He was one of these kids that. I'll swear he never cracked a book, yet he would uh, come home with uh, uh, A's and B's, Mm -hmm. and uh, he was just uh, a very talented, uh, smart kid. Uh, I think uh, uh, he, uh, uh, not I think, I I know that uh, his uh, IQ was in the neighborhood of 140 to 150, something like that. Wow. So he, he was no, Cliff was no dummy by a long shot. He was a pretty doggone smart kid. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I've opened up to a lot of people who have asked a lot of questions because obviously, you know, a lot of Metallica fans are excited that, to have you on and, you know, obviously to just celebrate Cliff. And uh, Daisa asked, did Cliff read any books? Do you remember what sort of authors he enjoyed, what books? Well, uh, no, I, I just didn't pay, uh, really, mm. Tom, I didn't pay that much attention to uh to the books that he read, but I, one thing that I uh, did know uh, and, and was kind of concerned about until I found out where it was, I had uh, at that time, and I still subscribe to the magazine that comes out of Madison, Wisconsin. It's called The Progressive, mm. and I subscribed to that, and uh, and so anyway, in, uh, in 1980, uh, oh, I guess, uh, 84, 85, something like that, I would get it uh, once a month uh, on a certain date, and I'd look forward to the magazine because it was uh, a very uh, left-leaning publication. And so uh, uh, I, uh, this uh, one month, I uh, asked Jan, I said, hey, have you seen my uh, uh, progressive uh, uh, magazine this this month? Uh, I said, I can't find it. Well, Cliff was in earshot of uh, my uh, question to uh, Jan, and uh, oh, Cliff says, "Oh, I have a dad back, back there." <laughs> so he's been intercepting yeah. uh, my my magazine and reading uh, Progressive, 
and uh, and he uh, at uh, a subsequent time uh, he or in, in time he told uh, uh, Kirk Hammond about it, mm. and so Kirk Hammond uh, still to this day subscribes to the Progressive. Right, and uh, so uh, Cliff was. Uh, uh, as I say, I don't know what uh, what books that he had, mm, mm. but I know he he was a, a good reader and a quite comprehensive. He he uh, kept up on uh, uh, political things and, and the social issues. He uh, uh, he was uh, he was just not a uh, he was not a dumb kid and no. was quite aware of uh, what was going on in society. And his uh, viewpoint was uh, quite on the liberal side. Mm, mm. I don't know if he'd be a commie pinko prevert like I was, right. but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, obviously one of other, the things that he was very much into was, was bass, you know, his, his musicianship. Like, how did that start for you? Because if I hear correctly, it kind of took him a little while to sort of find that groove. Oh, how he uh, picked up the bass? Yeah, and that yeah. Oh, well, it, it started uh, when his older brother, when Cliff was 13, and uh, Scott, his older brother... Uh, died of a cerebral hemorrhage uh, when he was 16 and Cliff was uh, 13. Uh, shortly after Scott died, uh, Cliff came to his mother and me and said, Mom and Dad, I'd, uh, I'd like to take up, I'd like to learn the bass uh, guitar. Uh, it says uh, this uh, uh, police comedy that uh, was on at that time, uh, Barney Miller was the name of the uh, TV show, and they, they started out with a real great bass uh, solo. Mm. Uh, uh, I don't know how many notes, uh, probably uh, a couple of bars or maybe more than that. Uh, but Cliff just loved it, and he wanted to learn to play the bass uh, so he could uh, uh, sound like that uh, uh, music on mm. uh, Barney Miller. So that's where it all started, and we got a cheap bass and a, and a cheap uh, amplifier, and it was all uphill from there. Yeah, yeah, and you know, when when was do you remember a time seeing him play and really thinking like, wow, you know, the, the, this is incredible. Well, uh, it, uh, it it's uh, one of those things where uh, I really didn't pay all that much mm. attention to it. I, I knew that Cliff wanted to. Uh, play the bass, and he would practice, uh, as I've told people before, uh, four and five hours a day, all mm. on his own. His mother and I never uh, prodded him to play. Uh, it was just his desire. And uh, so it just, uh, everything about his music, uh, uh, the, the input was, uh, was his own. And the only time that I uh, really mentioned anything, there was a. Uh, I grew up during the big band era, and uh, Benny Goodman had a uh, uh, electric guitar player that uh, joined a band named Charlie Christian, that came out of uh, I think Oklahoma, and uh, they made a recording called Solo Flight, and uh, I said, uh, Hey Cliff, let me let me play this. Uh, uh, recording by Benny Goodman uh, with Charlie Christian on uh, guitar. It's uh, essentially the whole song is pretty much a guitar uh, solo, not bass, but just just a regular uh, mm. six-string guitar. And so I played it for him, and he said, "Wow, that guy is really good." Well, Charlie Charlie Christian, as far as 
guitar playing in the big band mm. era was uh, really a, a, a pioneer yeah. in it. Um, just a wonderful sound that he got out of that uh, guitar. So, so anyway, that's about the only input that I really had. I don't know if Cliff really developed any uh, any of his uh, bass playing uh, from uh, from that uh, big band type of uh, guitar playing, but uh, anyway, he certainly admired that, and uh, yeah. and so that was my uh, little uh, two cents worth. Mm-hmm. And uh, Axel Haley, kind of in the same vein. Any idols of Cliff? Is there anyone you remember him growing up really kind of being a hero of? Or oh, he liked Black Sabbath. Mm. And uh, he, um, of course, uh, would uh, like in high, in, in uh, junior high school, he uh, uh, made uh, two different uh, belts, uh, leather. That was I can't remember what class it was that he had in junior high, but uh, two of them uh, with uh, uh, Black Sabbath uh, uh, written across the uh, the uh, what do you call it? Uh, the, uh, across the belt, mm, mm. and uh, and he uh, he liked uh, particularly liked Thin Lizzy uh, as far as records yeah. go, and uh, then also he uh, uh, you know and they, uh, Jan and I gave him uh, guitar lessons uh, uh, three different uh, uh, instructors, and one of them uh, the first one uh, Cliff lasted only about three months with him. Mm. And he came to us and said, "Mom and Dad, you, you don't don't waste your money anymore. That's, I'm going to quit this guy. He's not teaching me anything." Well, the same same uh, with the second one, but the third kid uh, out of uh, Castro Valley and uh, his name was Steve. God, I can never remember. Is it Steve? His. Steve Doherty? Doherty? Is it? Is that? Yeah, right. Yeah, Steve Doherty. So. Yeah. Right, and uh, he taught him about Bach. Mm. Uh, classical music and uh, and Cliff just uh, absolutely ate that up. He just thought that God was uh, rather uh, that Johann Sebastian Bach was uh, was God. Right. He just thought he was wonderful. And uh, but that kind of baroque music was uh, really probably a, a predecessor or whatever you want to call it to. Uh, uh, heavy metal it's uh, kind of uh, uh, wild but at the same time very controlled so mm, mm. Uh, if that's uh, um, a proper uh, <laughs> yeah yeah no. explanation of it i think so i think so yeah i've read about that guy steve apparently a very good jazz bassist a good musician in his own right um and he actually wrote in so what magazine i don't know if you've read this yourself about uh cliff and his time with him it's quite interesting he said quote he was a good student very focused he knew what he wanted he was the kind of student that always came with the lesson prepared which is not all that common we did a number of different rhythm studies i can hear some of the odd meted rhythms we used to do into his playing i had so many serious students but cliff had that rare inner drive to get out and do something about his music i can't take credit for that it was already there even when i taught him i mean it's that steely persona isn't it that was there from day dot yeah i uh really tom it uh uh, the uh, it, it uh, his uh, drive, so to speak, and, uh, when it came to music was uh, uh, my all of my family. We liked music. Uh, we played terrific uh, uh, records, uh, but none, not one, 
a family member, uh, both on uh, my side and on Jan's side, uh, were uh, took up uh, uh, music uh, for themselves. Mm. And Cliff was absolutely the very first one to uh, to do that. And uh, but he, uh, as I said before, he knew what he wanted to do, and by gosh, he uh, set about doing it. it uh, it was uh, he was just uh, amazing in that respect. And, um, I've said uh, told uh, people about coming home from work uh, during the uh, 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 kind of winter time. The sun had gone down when I would uh, get home, and uh, the uh, apartment that we were living in, uh, Cliff had uh, his bedroom, and and he had a a shade that was uh, not much of a shade, and it would show his shadow the way the, uh, the lights were in his uh, bedroom. And he would, I would uh, turn the corner and, and go into the uh, parking area of our apartment, and I would uh, look at the window, and here's old Cliff banging his head away, practicing on the guitar, and this was, uh, you know, 6 o'clock at night, right. something like that. So, uh, it was, and again, it was just all his own. Just uh, he uh, just wanted to learn something, and boy, he 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 did. Just uh, uh, amazing kid, mm. and he was a great sense of humor. And the guys that the, the humor that he liked the most was Monty Python and the mm. Flying Circus, <laughs> <laughs> and those those uh, uh, what what is John Cleese called it? The silly. Oh, we were just silly. Right. <laughs> anyway, he the, the KQED in San Francisco. Uh, I think there were 19 episodes that uh, uh, Monty, Ty, Monty Python uh, uh, those those guys made, and uh, Cliff had uh, seen every one of them uh, about uh, three times because mm-hmm. they would uh, have the 19 you know once a week and they would come on and then the 19 were up and they would start over with number one again. And, and he uh, he wasn't very good at his English accent, but he uh, would would joke around using. <laughs> <laughs> but we have the accent. You guys are right. just speak the English. <laughs> <laughs> and I really like reading about the you and Jan with the four year philosophy when you were like supporting Cliff in that way. No, he he said that to uh, oh right right to his Jan and me. He said, "Mom and Dad, I, if you can support me now, this is." Um, oh, that was probably in 1981, uh, oh, 82, something around mm-hmm. there, maybe maybe 83, maybe he joined Metallica at the time. But he came to Jan and me and he said, Mom and Dad, if you can support me for five years, he says, uh, I'd really appreciate it. And so we didn't have all that much, but we could certainly support him. And... Uh, uh, he says, if I don't make it, he says, I, I feel that I can become a studio musician, mm. magician, magician, <laughs> magi- musician. <laughs> so anyway, that's uh, that's what he uh, proposed to us. And of course, we uh, said, you bet mm. you go out there and, and give it the old try. Uh, uh, and we'll uh, support you as best we can, Cliff. So it uh, it worked out pretty well. It uh, just a. Uh, the shame that it was cut so short, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I quite often, uh, Tom, I think of what 
what it'd be like if uh, if uh, Cliff were alive today, and uh, I can just picture him still uh, still playing the kind of music he liked. Only I think he uh, like he was uh, uh, at times. I I one time I mentioned to him about playing the stand up bass, uh, you know, the regular yeah. uh, uh, big jobby and. Uh, uh, I said, yeah, you know, I've thought about that, but uh, sometime I'll, uh, I'll take it up. So that showed to me that uh, he was, uh, uh, could think about uh, uh, spreading out uh, uh, in his uh, ability to play music. What were your first impressions when he joined Metallica? Do you have any early memories? Oh, well, well probably just before uh, uh, he had... Uh, uh, I didn't know this. I knew he went to L.A. for a uh, a gig, uh, and I didn't know where it was. I was found out uh, shortly afterward. But it was uh, he had gone down to uh, and the uh, band that he was live with, uh, Trauma, was their name, and they went mm. down to uh, Whiskey A Go Go in Hollywood, and uh, James and uh, Lars just happened to be looking for a bass player, and they went up there to see if uh, what they could find. And they saw Cliff um, banging his head away with his band. And uh, so they, uh, after the show was over with, they uh, struck up a conversation. And uh, and Cliff, um, uh, of course, uh, liked the Bay Area, and uh, uh, they they were uh, Lars and James, are, of course, were from L.A. And uh, uh, they, uh, uh, I would come home and Cliff would be on the telephone and uh, just quite often there for a uh, uh, couple of months. And, uh, and I said one time I said to Jan, who, who in the heck is Cliff talking on the phone so much to? And uh, he says, oh, there's a band in Los Angeles who wants them to move down to L.A. And... Uh, the uh, Cliff says, "No, I'm not moving to L.A. I, uh, uh, I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, joining your band, but uh, uh, I'm, I'm not moving to L.A." So uh, they moved to San Francisco, and uh, and it was just uh, a great uh, joining of forces there, so to speak. And any early memories, like first times you met James and Lars? The uh, uh, no, he didn't talk to me about them. It, mm. uh, I just uh, it because I was uh, so often at work, and uh, uh, Jan was the one that really had the, uh, the long conversations with Cliff because uh, he had uh, gotten out of school, and uh, and he was uh, really uh, uh, wanting to make his profession uh, as a, a musician. And so Jan was the one that was uh, able to uh, have uh, longer conversations. And uh, first time I saw uh, uh, James and Lars yeah. and uh, uh, Dave Mustaine, right, of course, uh, at the uh, at the Stone there in San Francisco, and uh, that was a uh, uh, Jan and I went up to see. Uh, see old uh, Cliff perform and uh, along with this new band and uh, and they, they did very very well for themselves it, uh, 
they all had a mop of hair that wouldn't quit. Right. And, <laughs> and, uh, but they were quite entertaining. Mm. And that's kind of the, one of the amazing things, Tom, is that uh, they're still so entertaining. I, I like to go to uh, Metallica's concerts because uh, it just, uh, uh, the music, uh, you know, isn't uh, my big band music, but nevertheless, it is entertaining. And of course, that's one of the things that it should be. The music should be entertaining to you, and they they certainly are. And uh, James does a fantastic job uh, as a singer and the, and the MC. He's uh, yeah. He's just an absolute natural. And uh, I remember one time asking him if uh, if he was a cheerleader in in high school. And <laughs> got a big laugh, and he gosh, no, it was he was anything but. And I, it always amazed me that here's a a guy that uh, uh, is quite uh, uh, quiet and uh, uh, in, in just turning out to be a fantastic uh, <clears throat> guitar player, first of all, and his the singing of his uh, heavy metal tunes and that, and the emceeing up there, getting getting the crowd to join in on the uh, uh, the, the the program, so to speak. And James does an absolute wonderful job. And how did you feel when Metallica started to get a bit bigger? When they released Kill 'Em All, you know, it looked like they were destined for huge things. Yeah, well, I, uh, I just, uh, I had just, I had no idea, Tom, absolutely mm. no idea of uh, what that uh, uh, song meant and uh, the, the album, I should say. Mm. And then the, the second one, and where I uh, really realized that uh, uh, things uh, had the possibility of really getting big was uh, when Cliff got his uh, first uh, royalty check. Uh, right. And that was, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think it was $1,500, something like mm. that. And he said, Mom and Dad, I got, uh, here's my first check. And uh, and so, come on, I'll take you out to dinner tonight. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> so we, we we went to dinner to his uh, favorite uh, sushi place there in uh, in uh, Hayward, right. which is right next door to uh, Castro Valley. That was the first first inkling that I got that uh, maybe uh, there were bigger things down the road. And boy, did that ever happen! Oh. Yeah, no, incredible. And, you know, as as the years progressed, went from Kill 'em All to Ride the Lightning, Cliff is suddenly going overseas. From what I've read, he was he, he liked the sort of home comforts of America, didn't he? Oh, very much. Yeah, he was. And uh, uh, like I heard him say, I mean, he says, I'm never leaving Castro Valley. Right. I just like it. I've seen other places now. This was, uh, of course, when uh, his... Uh, master puppets mm, mm. and uh, he said that uh, no he says mom and dad uh, it looks like it's uh, we're going to be making some pretty good money and uh, so he says i'm going to buy you a home right <laughs> <laughs> so anyway it was uh, uh he's done that uh, you know the residuals or uh, the money that uh, from the uh, first three albums has uh, uh you know kept uh, kept us in pretty good uh, um, financial. Uh, mm. One of the things that uh, from the uh, royalties that I get, I 
uh, I gave a scholarship to uh, the high school he went to, Castro Valley High School, right. for music. And uh, so it's uh, uh, the kids that uh, have won it, they invariably uh, write uh, and thank me for it. And, uh, and it's really, uh, I think Cliff probably would have uh, uh, done that uh, uh, with, with his money because he... Uh, he was not uh, not against education by any means. He was uh, he liked it very much. So one of the questions we were just touching on, you know, when when Cliff, the early days of the band, they're moving to San Francisco. Did you notice as the band got more popular, was was Cliff still the same? Did he change in any way? Oh, yeah, no, Cliff Cliff just didn't didn't change at all. He was, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> he just. Uh, uh, I guess the right word is uh, he was quite a, a humble person, and uh, he uh, uh, just didn't like the um, the strutting types that uh, so much of the uh, rock and roll uh, uh, musicians uh, get to be when they get popular. He just uh, he just liked to do his uh, wild playing of uh, heavy metal music, and uh, he never changed. He would see. Uh, high school friends on the street or in a restaurant and he golly he'd get up out of his chair and go over and, and greet them he mm. just uh, uh, never changed at all uh, in that respect he was always very uh, uh, for a better word I guess it would uh, he was always appreciative of friends mm. Mm. And, uh, so no uh, he didn't change at all and, so you know, did he, I, I remember reading one of the books that he would regularly ring home on the tours. He was always in touch. Yeah, his mother, he would uh, quite, quite often uh, call and uh, chat with uh, Jan. And uh, a couple of times I uh, uh, talked to him, but it, uh, she was the one that would uh, talk the, the most to him. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, of course, they, they uh, got along just beautifully. That was uh, a nice thing to uh, to have uh, to have her support, and uh, he was quite quite appreciative of that. And did you ever go to you know Did you go to a lot of the big shows when they were playing, like the big stadiums and? Uh, uh, yeah, we went to a few. It. Mm. Uh, most of uh, uh, they didn't play all that often around uh, the Bay Area. <clears throat> uh, uh, the one, one, the big one that we went uh, was the one uh, uh, was the uh, on the green there. Yeah, the yeah, Oakland Coliseum. Day, yeah, day on the green, classic. Yeah, right, and that that was quite an event. It uh, uh, things that went on there, uh, I just uh, I'd never been to uh, mm. a concert where. Uh, I don't know, I guess there must have been about 50, uh, 50 or 60,000 people there, something like that. And uh, just, uh, it was a warm August day, and uh, uh, the, uh, like, like one of the things that surprised me was uh, why he was on stage. Uh, uh, the other three guys and, and musicians and other bands were uh, uh, out there in the sun when they were on the stage. And uh, it was hot, and <clears throat> they all had uh, T-shirts uh, 
most of them had the sleeves cut off. And uh, but here was Cliff up there on the stage with that uh, uh, Levi jacket. Yeah. And uh, so it was really surprising to uh, see him in that. And I asked him when uh, when he finally got back home <clears throat> that. Uh, how he, how, why did he have the damn jacket on? And he said, oh, it's just to keep the sweat uh, from going on the, uh, uh, dropping onto the uh, guitar. Mm. And uh, so there was a, a method in his madness, and yeah. uh, so to speak. And uh, he, uh, but one of the things that uh, uh, the promoter of that particular uh, venue was uh, Bill Graham. Mm. And uh, so, as I say, it was hot, and uh, and I looked down at the during intermission, uh, and here was Bill Graham uh, with fire, not a fire hose, but a regular garden hose, and he had the, had it on, and he was spraying these kids that were up as close as uh, you know, right up against the uh, stage almost, and he was spraying them with water, and I thought. Well, that's a good idea. That uh, the kids would love that. So, uh, so anyway. But I just uh, it surprised me that he didn't have a uh, one of his workers to, to be uh, spraying the kids with the water. But no, there was old Bill Graham out there spraying. And what I saw of the other bands that, uh, uh, and this was a thing that has uh, continued uh, for the, through the years that. Uh, Metallica always uh, uh, seemed to be uh, have they were a notch above the other yeah. uh, other bands that uh, always seemed to me. And of course, a, a little bit of bias there on yeah. my part, but uh, it uh, was uh, they, they they did a good job, performed quite well, and uh, so it was a very nice a very nice day. Of course, Jan was just absolutely in. Seventh Heaven, that mm. her, her son was up there on stage performing uh, in front of all of those uh, thousands of people. And that, that was the first time that uh, I had uh, noticed the uh, mosh pit mm. where the goddamn kids were going around <laughs> dancing, not dancing, but slamming right. each other. Oh, God, I thought, what on <laughs> earth? <laughs> <laughs> That's not a, not the kind of dancing I did when I went to see a big band when I was a kid, by any means. <laughs> and Nothing romantic about it at all. No. <laughs> uh, and in the in the afterword of the fantastic recently released um, Back to the Front book, which kind of covers this era that we're speaking about now, the sort of Master of Puppets era, um, mm-hmm. you, you say in the, you know, may I just say wonderfully written um, afterward, which closes the entire book, um, mm-hmm. you speak about at the time Cliff coming into your room, yourself and Jan, and he wanted you to hear Orion. Do you remember that? Oh, very much. Like it happened yesterday, Tom. Mm. No, it was, uh, it was a Sunday. I'm pretty sure it was a Sunday. And uh, because I was home and... Uh, uh, he he called in, and I, I don't know if I put it that uh, this way particularly on the uh, 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 in the book, mm. but he says, "Hey, mom and dad, come in, and I want you to listen." I knew he had been working on mm. on this thing. He would uh, uh, you know be in his room, and, uh, and he had this little uh, 
box kind of thing that uh, uh, he was fiddling around with his guitar and and also he would be he would play the six string guitar uh, hmm. at times and in he um, came in and uh, came out there and he said hey come in here and uh, let me play you this uh, uh, tune that I uh, recorded and as I say in the thing that uh, my gosh it was we listened to it and it was I thought it was really great because it was in three four time hmm. and uh, and Jan and I liked to waltz and uh, so we could <laughs> could have very easily waltzed to the yeah. tune which really surprised me that a, a heavy metal a tune that was in uh, in waltz time and uh, so uh, but it was, uh, it was a big surprise and it turned out uh, quite well particularly oh. when the, when the Library of Congress uh, accepted the uh, album uh, yeah. into the uh, Congressional uh, uh, Library of Congress, it, uh, I was really surprised. It's the only, of uh, that genre, the uh, heavy metal, it's the only uh, piece of music or album that uh, is in the uh, Congressional um, uh, what do you call it? So yeah, yeah, it was, it was quite a feather in their hat, in my opinion. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. And Orion as a whole is just a feather in the hat. You know, incredible piece of music. Um, you know, and you also say in the afterward, people always showing you, um, you know, tattoos they have of Cliff. That must be so oh, nice God. to see. <laughs> yeah, that is really <laughs> the first time I saw that. I I can't remember where the venue was, but this uh, young man. It was a very heavy set guy that was uh, mm. a part of uh, uh, the security. And uh, I, uh, when I go to the venues now, I uh, s- uh, sit uh, with the Big Mick in the sound uh, uh, booth, and uh, or sound control, I guess you'll call it. And uh, this kid was down in front of us all night long, uh, and then uh, uh, I. I it may have been over there. The uh, concert was over. And, uh, oh, it was at Orion in Atlantic City. Mm. And uh, this uh, young man, he says, hey, Mr. Burton. He uh, yelled up to me. And I said, yeah. And he says, I want to show you something. And he turned around and he lifted his uh, shirt. And on his back, he had a, a tattoo of Cliff's uh, uh, face. Yeah. On, on on his back, tattooed, tattooed in, and I thought, gee, man, now there's a fan, I'll yeah. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, so anyway, it uh, that was just one of the many things that uh, over the years that have uh, uh, occurred that just, uh, my gosh, and uh, uh, when Cliff was getting started in uh, the early 1980s, it just... That type of thing, I just really, Tom, I could never, ever imagine mm. uh, such a uh, thing happening that that uh, Cliff and Metallica would be uh, so popular. Yeah, and, no, uh, it, it's 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 wonderful. It's, you know, it, it was it was you know past thirty years now. Um, you know, since mm-hmm. since since his very very you know sad passing there, and you know, not a, not a day really has dimmed where people don't idolize you know your son he's such a hero to so many people mm-hmm. yeah 
it's just uh, so amazing and yet so satisfying that uh, because uh, he was he was always that way to uh, Jan and me. Mm-hmm. He was even an exceptional kid. Just uh, uh, you know, and, uh, and he, he was uh, exceptional in that he was just a uh, to us he was just a. A good human being. He never gave us any kind of problems. Uh, you know, we never. Uh, uh, he uh, wasn't into drugs he, mm. except for beer and and uh, uh, some kinds of alcohol, I guess. Yep. But uh, he never. Uh, only one time did he come home uh, drunk, and uh, David DiDonato. <laughs> uh, there was a knock on the door, and this was about. Oh, I guess about one or two in the morning, <laughs> and uh, there was a knock on the door, and so Jan went, and uh, and so I could hear his conversation, and then Jan said, "Ray, come here." So I got up and went in there, and so here where they were, David was uh, struggling with uh, Cliff to get him in the house, and so we got him in the house and took him to, <laughs> to his room, and he was really snuckered, and. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, Jan was got all, uh, uh, you know, uh, not upset exactly, but right. uh, uh, concerned. That, uh, and I thought, well, I've, I've uh, that's happened to me a few times. So I just just says, oh, I'll I'll handle it, Jan. You're going back to bed. <laughs> and uh, Cliff, uh, I set him down on the bed, and I started taking his shirt and undressing him, getting ready for bed. And uh, he was, uh, oh, I guess he had to be uh, uh, 18. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he might have still been in high school, but maybe, you know, right around 18 years of age. Right. And uh, anyway, I got him, uh, getting him undressed for bed, and he got this shit-eating grin on his face. And he says, he says, you're the greatest dad in the world. (laughs) Boy, it's funny what what alcohol will do to you. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's that. Yeah, it's so sweet. So anyway. Yeah, yeah. It always that has always stayed with me because uh, uh, he just uh, he he just treated me that way, like I was, uh, you know, just a a real nice dad, and of course. that was the way I wanted it to be and tried to be. Mm, mm. But uh, when you have a son that uh, or a child that uh, uh, is so um, so positive in the relationship with his mother and dad, uh, uh, you just can't uh, can't complain in, at all about it. And that was the case with Jan and me. And we mentioned the book before, the Back to the Front book. Like, it, it must be a joy to go through the book and see all these different pictures. Oh, oh golly! It just uh, and the narrative. Uh, it, it's uh, uh, he just uh, uh, Matt just did a fantastic job on oh, that yeah. book, in my opinion. Golly, it's mm. just if you like Metallica, it is so informative and so thorough. In uh, his uh, uh, getting the stories, and the uh, uh, he just did a, a marvelous job. At, uh, and uh, uh, you know, he um, uh, he made this. He uh, published uh, or wrote this book about Jaws, the picture Jaws. Yeah. 
and uh, he was saying that uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, he uh, he had read he read the book on on Jaws, and uh, when it was finished, and he says, you know, uh, Matt, you know more about uh, the picture and uh, all of the things about that movie than I do. And he says, and here I was, the director. He says, but you have really done a quite an exceptional. Uh, job, extraordinary job in the, in this uh, book, and that's I think is uh, the same way with uh, uh, the uh, one with Metallica. It's just uh, extraordinary book. Yeah, and, he, uh, he, what do you call it? Uh, writer. Mm, so mm. Uh, it's yeah, it's, it's absolutely incredible and. I, I want to talk now about, you know, over the years, obviously, um, you know, perhaps because of what happened perhaps before, your relationship with Metallica has always been very strong, um, you know, mm. to, the, to the point you do the afterword in this book and, and you're at a lot of the concerts and stuff. I mean, it's so great that you guys are still so close. Oh, yeah. It's just uh, it, it's so frustrating, Tom, to uh, uh, I just don't see them and talk to them as much as I would like to just uh, but uh Circumstances just kind of, uh, uh, you know, not allow that to uh, to happen. And uh, but I just uh, when when we can get together and uh, and it's so brief and uh, so uh, as I said, uh, frustrating that uh, it couldn't be uh, longer. It uh, because they just uh, uh, give all the, the appearances of. Uh, of, uh, uh, for a better word, uh, loving me, and mm. it's uh, the feeling is mutual. I, uh, I just uh, think they are are great. They are fun, and uh, and their uh, trials and tribulations that they've had during their their uh, uh, time they've had the band uh, right from the very beginning. It's just uh, an amazing story. And that's one of the things about the book was so good. Mm. And uh, uh, Rob, who lives, uh, yeah, uh, where he he lives over uh, uh, on the the other side of uh, Santa Monica Bay, mm. over in Malibu, and uh, we live on the south side of the uh, Santa Monica Bay. And uh, but I can't see his house from here. <laughs> I could see the Getty Museum across the bay, but <laughs> his house is not as big as uh, the Getty Museum. So, but uh, he comes over for lunch uh, occasionally, and it's uh, really nice. And uh, and I still talk and uh, see uh, Mike Borden. Mm. Uh, in fact, there was a uh, and Jim Martin. That uh, you know, both of them yeah. uh, came out of uh, the Faith No More band. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, there was, uh, <clears throat> I can't remember what we were watching uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and I was pointing out to somebody that this is a picture of the first venue that uh, uh, Jan and I went to where they played at the Stone there in San yeah. Francisco. And uh, over Cliff's uh, uh, shoulder, uh, there's this uh he, uh, they have the speakers, and then on top of the speaker is the, uh, oh, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, uh, 
Oh, it's a little uh, thing they use, uh, amplifier, not an amplifier. No, I guess it is. But anyway, here's his face uh, leaning against uh, over the top of the uh, speaker and the uh, amp. And it's uh, Mike Borden. And uh, he uh, and I didn't Now This was years ago when I first noticed this one time we were seeing the same picture. And uh, no, Mike says, oh, yeah, that was me. I was at that uh, concert. And so anyway, it, uh, Cliff's relationship with uh, Mike Borden was uh, absolutely phenomenal. They were uh, best friends and starting junior high school and uh, and that's uh, it. Uh, and anyway, uh, old Big Mick, uh, he's a, uh, just absolutely treats me like king for right. an hour. He and his assistant James, uh, <laughs> James, the uh, if I'm going to be at a concert, by gosh, his his chair, uh, is, he puts my name on the back of it, and I have to sit. In his chair, and I, <laughs> I feel that that's not right. You're the guy that's doing the work, for God's sake. So anyway, but they just treat me uh, uh, fantastic, and uh, and the times that I've had um, things. Uh, the <laughs> there's there's uh, something going on here. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Can you hear the noise? <laughs> but anyway, it's. Uh, uh, but but anyway, Big Mick is just uh, God. He, he's a, such an enjoyable guy. I don't know if I've ever uh, mentioned it on any uh, interviews, but um, after uh, uh, the accident, and uh, Jan and I, we were living in uh, um, what in the heck? It's uh, over in the East Bay, uh, uh, a little town. Uh, and uh, anyway, we had the band over and, and the uh, crew members, and uh, it was a, a summer day, uh, summer night, I should say, and uh, uh, I was on the, uh, talking to somebody out on the patio, and uh, the, uh, because of the bugs during the summertime, uh, the screen door was closed going into the house, <clears throat> and uh, uh, I, I thought, as I remembered it, it, it was uh, the road manager at the time, uh, uh, what was his name? Anyway, uh, uh, he lives in Knoxville, Tennessee now, but, it, but anyway, he uh, uh, was in the house and he wanted to smoke a cigarette, so he was coming outside and uh, he didn't realize that the screen door was closed. <laughs> and I was on the outside watching, and I said, oh, my God, he's going to run into that. And sure enough, he, run, he ran into it, and he was uh, smoking a, uh, a the cigarette that had already been lit. Well, the cigarette hit that uh, plastic mesh of the screen, and just, boy, it just almost like it exploded. It just, big hole, just bam like that and uh, so anyway uh, years later I was uh, talking to Big Mick and I was telling him about uh, uh, that happened and how if he's any any touch uh, into uh, if he still has his communication with uh, uh, 
the guy that I thought uh, was uh, that put the hole into the screen. And Big Mick says, no, that wasn't him. That was me. I was <laughs> and that was before Big Nick had all of the long hair right. and the beard and that. And uh, they, uh, but anyway, it uh, the the mystery was cleared up or was corrected, I should say, because I thought sure it was uh, the road manager at the time. So, but anyway, that was uh, I found it quite amusing. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> You know, quite quite soon after the um, accident, Metallica continued, and I've read that yourself and Jan were a big part of sort of encouraging Jason Newstead. Yes, right. Mm. When um, when he uh, when James and Lars and Kirk uh, chose him, uh, they uh, had established a little uh, studio uh, there in Hayward, and uh, so. Uh, Jan and I went down and uh, and uh, met uh, Jason and, and that, and we uh, we just thought he was a, a a wonderful kid, very personable, and we just got along uh, beautifully with him that night, and uh, and uh, so we and you know encouraged uh, him to just uh, you know be successful as he possibly could be, and. Uh, uh, he just, uh, you know, real nice kid. I kind of feel bad uh, because he has invited uh, uh, me to come up to his uh, small studio that he has uh, in his home uh, there in uh, uh, Concord. Uh, I think it's in Concord. Uh, Walnut Creek is more like, I guess it's Walnut Creek there in the East Bay. Mm. And... Uh, so I just uh, kind of lost contact of him, and that's uh, one of the things that uh, I wished I was uh, more attentive on. And uh, I just uh, uh, feel badly about it, but I don't do much to uh, correct it. So I don't know what you call that. There has to be a psychological thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, Newstead syndrome or something. I'm not sure. But yeah, no, yeah, you do need some to... kind of syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> You definitely know. Um, and then um, from from Jason, Rob as well, and, you know, obviously... Yeah, Rob would just... Yeah, Rob would just been, a, you know, absolutely wonderful. And, and his wife, too. Mm. She's... Uh, uh, Chloe is uh, quite an extraordinary young woman. And they're very, very enjoyable. And little Ty, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know if you knew that uh, he is uh, taking up the guitar and... Mm. And uh, as a twelve-year-old, uh, he's uh, doing quite well. Yes. And uh, and Ty, I get the biggest kick out. I mean, if I see him at a at a venue, he just uh, uh, just is so glad to see me, and he gets a big grin on his face. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, you know great to see him. Yeah. And uh, so he uh, he's a great kid, and and. Uh, uh, he, uh, his dad is uh, just strikes me as uh, such an extraordinary uh, dad, and uh, and just wants to help his son as uh, much as he possibly can. So, mm. and uh, we got a uh, uh, one of Kid uh, Cliff's uh, Aria guitar uh, 
uh, we uh, got the uh, uh, what do you call it company to send it to a tie right. and he uses that uh, oh. guitar in his uh, in his playing when he has a venue it's a prototype right. the uh, aria guitar was going to uh, uh, start producing it it was uh, identical to one of the uh, guitars that uh, Cliff uh, received from uh, Aria, uh, but I don't know if they've really, uh, they've, the, the project uh, just was put on hold, and uh, so uh, I'm sure if, uh, because it was a lot, uh, the, the first one they uh, they put was a, a pretty expensive guitar, and, mm. and this new model was going to be uh, about a third or, or more uh, cheaper than the, uh, uh, the the real nice one that uh, I have a copy of it. Not a well, a copy. I have the very first one that uh, uh, sits in uh, our little kind of trophy room of Cliffs. So, uh, so but, uh, uh, that is Ty really uh, uh, does a good job on it. That's he just uh, we've seen some pictures of. Uh, that Chloe sent to us from uh, South America or, or Mexico, someplace like that. And uh, he opened, uh, oh, he actually played with Korn. Mm. Uh, the, oh, I don't know how many venues, but uh, four or five at least. Oh, there were eight of them, I understand. Eight different ones that uh, he actually played the bass because a bass player was, there was some kind of uh, thing, I don't know what... Uh, uh, but uh, Ty uh, played, sat in, and played that uh, the different parts and so forth. And uh, I'm sure, uh, oh, Rob had uh, uh, something to do with uh, getting going on it. But uh, he did very well. Mm. Little uh, snippets of uh, his uh, songs uh, were sent to us by uh, uh, Chloe, and it was very, uh, very entertaining. Mm. And uh, Boy, for such a young age, I really wish him the best of uh, best of uh, success. Yeah, yeah, entirely. It's so so great that you know he's playing um, something you know through the legacy of Cliff. And I did want to ask um, Ray Cliff's instruments. You know his amps, his pedals. Do you still keep all that stuff? Do you still have it all? No, the uh, uh, Aria sent. I don't know. Uh, at least six uh, guitars um, uh, uh, over the years. Mm. Um, and uh, Jan just pretty much uh, 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 gave them away. I think uh, James and maybe Lars have uh, have a couple of them, one of each. Uh, uh, and uh, But the uh, only original one guitar that uh, we held on to was the uh, uh, Rickenbacker that uh, Cliff played uh, um, before he got the uh, the Aria guitar and that is in uh, I gave it to Cliff's uh, cousin who lives uh, down in uh, Dana Point uh, and he in turn uh, 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 the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in mm. Cleveland, Ohio, uh, has that uh, that original uh, 
uh, guitar in their uh, displays. So, uh, so it was. Uh, Cliff really liked that car, that that guitar, the uh, the most, I think. But it was just not a uh, a strong enough guitar for him to uh, uh, take on tours. He, uh, uh, but he kept it uh, kept care of it uh, very very well, and uh, so it's it's in good hands, we think. And uh, but it's uh, it belongs to Cliff's. Uh, cousin that uh, as i say steve burton is his name <laughs> steve, steve burton and you know coming all the way up to the present now metallica are on this you know huge world tour at the moment they're currently in america and every night on the big screens they project images of cliff and everyone cheers you know it's really beautiful yeah it is i i haven't seen it yet but i uh, uh relatives and uh that uh, we uh, that had gone to venues, they say it's it's really amazing, and uh, Rob does a good job in playing that uh, uh, Anastasia. Yeah, I think it is. And uh, we'll we'll see them. Uh, they're coming here to L.A. Oh, I don't know, a couple three weeks or something like that. And uh, so we'll go up and see that. But I I really uh, really want to uh, see it because. Uh, uh, you know, I can just, uh, well, it's just something to look forward to very much. And uh, But there, again, is this, uh, after all of these years, uh, they, uh, uh, James, Lars, and uh, Kirk, and, and Rob, uh, uh, think so much of Cliff to uh, have him as part of their, uh, their show. And I think it's... Uh, well, it makes me feel very, very good and very uh, proud of uh, of Cliff. So I'm certainly looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, it is. It is just so, so, so great. As I say, you know, the continuing support there. And I just, I want to, don't want to take up too much of your time, Ray. So just, um, you know, a few, a few more questions. I've always wondered: Do you have a fa- <laughs> do, you, do you have a favorite Metallica song? Orion. Oh yeah, uh, good choice. <laughs> <laughs> very much yeah but but they're uh, uh you know like at cliff one time uh, uh i can't remember uh, exactly what the occasion was but uh, i was apologizing for not uh, seeing uh one of their venues or something like that mm. and cliff said to me that's all right dad i know the kind of music you like <laughs> and so uh uh but uh they uh uh, the thing that I like so much about them is, to me, they're they're so entertaining. They uh, uh, do such a uh, well, just plain plain entertainment. It uh, you know the music is is kind of uh, loud and uh, and uh, noisy and so forth. And a lot of times I I can't understand the words that <laughs> James James is. Uh, uh, but the kids that that know the words say they, it's which amazes me. They go they go right along singing along with him, and but it uh, it's just the, the very simple uh, entertainment that uh, they put out, and uh, and that's uh, I think is one of the successful things in uh, music and and many other things in life. It's uh, the old expression that simplicity is perfection. And I think uh, Metallica's music is uh, is uh, that kind of uh, that 
motto or whatever you want to call it, uh, falls into that category. They are very simple, and it's uh, it's just uh, perfection. And uh, so that's why I uh, I like to go to concerts, at, uh, but it also I like to go to so I could uh, hopefully I can sit down and and chat. Uh, with them a little bit mm, uh, mm, because as I say uh, all of them are great to talk to and uh, so it's uh, I'm looking forward to I think we're going to see three concerts uh, in about a week and a half's time right uh, coming up in uh, in uh, as I say two or three weeks and uh, so I just keep my fingers crossed that I can uh, have some time with them and so we'll just see, because you, uh, you know, they're so different than the old days that, uh, uh, where they would go to. Uh, afterward, they would uh, go in and, and chat with uh, the kids that uh, had seen the show and so forth. And uh, and so uh, it's always something I uh, hope for, and uh, sometimes it pans out, and uh, that is fantastic. And Ray, what sort of music do you listen to now? What what, what do you enjoy to listen to? Oh, uh, there's uh, uh, Pandora, not Pan, yeah, yeah, uh, Pandora. Uh, uh, what is the thing? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sirius mm. XM. Yeah, and uh, uh, they they do a pretty good job on. Uh, playing big band music, but I also listen to uh, KUSC, K University of Southern California hmm. uh, station, that it's a classical station, and they play some fantastic classical music, and, uh, and I, uh, but I like uh, such a huge variety, hmm. Tom, I like the uh, uh, you know, banjo music, uh, uh, I like uh, uh, oh, what do you call it? folk? The folk, mm-hmm. folk music, and, and I like uh, the cowboy music, uh, country western, uh, classical music, at, uh, and uh, easy listening. And uh, and it's uh, I still uh, uh, listen to it, uh, not nearly as much as I would uh, I would like to, but uh, I just uh, like a whole lot. But it's mainly uh, I tune into big band music because that was uh, it reminds me of so much of uh, when I was young and I used to go uh, I lived in San Bernardino and I would uh, we would go down to LA to uh, see these big bands at the uh, uh, Palladium Ballroom it was just brand new and uh, there was the um, uh, one in uh, Southgate and then there was a Casa Manana in, uh, uh, oh, what is that? Uh, not Studio City, but, uh, uh, and in, uh, but, but anyway, I, uh, it's such a, a thing that I enjoyed so much, and, and probably the one that I really uh, uh, got kind of uh, familiar with was uh, Stan Kenton. In uh, 1941, the summer of 41, uh, uh, he was playing for the whole summer 
three months, he was playing at the Rendezvous Ballroom in uh, Balboa, mm. which is uh, Newport Beach uh, now. But uh, we would uh, drive down from San Bernardino to uh, to see him, uh, and uh, they would the, the band would uh, go and uh, go to a little uh, a cafe uh, uh, across the street, or it could have been a bar across the street from the uh, Rendezvous Ballroom. And uh, we would uh, 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 see the band, and, and I would we would start talking to to Stan Kenton and uh, uh, some of the other guys. But Stan Kenton, it got so that by the end of the summer, we would come walking into the, or he would come into the, uh, the bar, and he'd say, "Hi, Ray." <laughs> he, I, I was only a uh, how old was I then? I, I think I was 16 years old, something like that. But he was a very personable guy. That um, big, great, big band uh, uh, leader, and also a, a pretty dang good uh, piano player. And uh, so, anyway, that uh, that's the kind of music that uh, that I really, uh, really like. And there was uh, there was a big band that. Uh, well, there were several of them that came out of England. Ray Noble uh, was the first one that I really... Uh, but later on, and this was after the uh, Second World War, uh, Ted Heath came mm. out of uh, England, and he had a terrific big band. Boy, it was a good swinging band, a uh, great dance band. So, uh, But it's... Um, well, one of the things with uh, Stan Kenton had a uh, his theme song. He called it Rhapsody, uh, uh, something, some kind of uh, Rhapsody in Rhythm, or mm. something like that. And uh, so anyway, I was listening to KC, uh, KUSC one day, and they were they the announcer says, "Well, now we're going to play a, uh, a tune by." Uh, uh, Ravel, I think it was, uh, and it's called uh, uh, D D Chloe and Daphne, or Daphne and Chloe. And so I was listening to it, and my gosh, the theme on the thing, I said, that goddamn Stan Kenton stole from that, that old classic guy. And I mean, uh, really, Tom, and note for note, it's uh, his, uh, Stan Kenton's theme song. Of course, that was, uh, that was quite common. In the uh, in the big band music of uh, borrowing from uh, snippets of uh, of classical music, because all those those musicians uh, that were in the big bands, they uh, so many of them were trained uh, in in classical music. That uh, you know, like Benny Goodman and his clarinet, uh, he he was quite familiar with uh, with classical. Uh, uh, songs. Of, um, so, so, so was that was that your influence then on Cliff? Because obviously Cliff like idolized composers no, as well. Not, not a bit. I no. never pushed it or anything. And, and as I've, I've said before, his the thing that really prompted Cliff was uh, uh, this uh, TV show Barney Miller. It was a comedy. Uh, uh, oh, what do you call it? Comedy. Uh, police show and it was only on for two years I thought it was on longer than that mm. but it started out with a terrific 
uh, bass guitar uh, solo, and Cliff just absolutely fell in love with that. And that's that's what he's uh, when he came to his mother and me to to ask uh, if we would uh, give him lessons and get him a guitar and a little amplifier. Uh, that was the, the thing he says. This song, I said, just I just love it. I want to be able to play a, a bass guitar uh, uh, like uh, that soloist on that uh, theme for that TV show. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it just all uh, started from his initiative, uh, certainly not his uh, mother's or mine. That, uh, we love music, and we played a mean phonograph record, but uh, uh, that was about it. it uh, it's uh, my family, uh, no, nobody in my family ever uh, took up a musical an instrument except Cliff. So, uh, and the same with Jan's side of the family. Hmm. So it was all, all his initiative. Well, Ray, uh, you know, this has been absolutely uh, honor, a genuine honor, sir, to have you on, the privilege to speak about Cliff. I just want to say thank you again. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, and it's been my pleasure. Have a good one, Tom. Yeah, thank you as well. Thank you as well.